This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association and the 4,000 members that, that we have. Um, the goal that we have, as you know, is to provide our listeners really good local information, the real stats and the, and the real what's happening. Um, it's sometimes different in Wisconsin as opposed to here. Or uh, for one of our guests today, sometimes it's different than Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Um, I'll explain that in a minute. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. Um, speaking of Massachusetts, we have Joel Masmanian of Realty Concepts here as a guest today. Morning, Don. Good morning. You came all the way from Boston, Massachusetts to get away from the Red Sox, the Patriots, because so, I think you were overly obsessed with them. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm going back to Boston on Monday. So I'm taking a flight out there and I'm going to watch my Patriots take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, which sounds very odd to say. Yeah. But I'm going back. I didn't know that. I am. It, and uh, little known fact, Joel also brought me some confetti from the field at Super Bowl 58, was it? I think it was, I think it was 50, 53. Okay. Yeah, there's so, so many, it's hard to keep track. The Patriots, they just keep winning. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Turning to Jeff Zimmerman. <laughs> Jeff Zimmerman is with Realty Concepts also, and uh, you've been in the business a little over four years. Yeah. Uh, you seem to have a tendency to gravitate towards multi-units, mm-hmm. uh, although you sell a lot of homes too. So. Yeah. Yeah, about half my half the transactions I do are all in multifamily or apartments, you know, whichever way you want to refer to it. And then their half is about in single family homes and agriculture. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought today's show would be really good being knowing these two people's background. And I do know them well because we all sit one right after another at our office. Um, poor Jeff is on the in the middle between Joel and me. So uh you, you must have picked up a lot of good nuggets from Joel. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, the wisdom never stops just seeping through the, through the wall right there. So. All right, wisdom or also whatever. <laughs> All right, so I asked, we, we met the other day uh, on a Zoom call. No, we were going to do a Zoom because we couldn't decide which office to meet at. So, but we ended up going, uh, meeting to prepare for this show. So... Here's what I came up with. I asked each of you to give your own stat because w- let's talk about statistics now. And there's going to be a point that we want to drive home after we give these stats. So go ahead. How about, Joel, you go first. Well, inventory is and, and has been a problem lately. And as of today, there are 756 single-family homes currently available in Fresno County. Uh, and that includes uh, condos and PUDs, which is, you know, communities with associations. Um, now, that may seem like a lot, but, but let's go back five years, Don. And there were almost double the amount of homes for sale five years ago. So about 1,400 compared to now. And then you roll back the clock back, back down to uh, 2007, 
and you would have had around 5,500 homes to choose from back then. It seems like a long time ago, but think about that inventory and how different it is then oh, to now. Yeah, and 2007 would have been the, the big year. That's where the market really turned from the boom market of 03 to 05. 06 kind of, we saw it starting to turn, but 07, uh, that's interest rates went up. Um, a lot of people were starting to discover that, hey, this, uh, I got a bad loan. Yeah. And they, they ended up losing their home. So 50, what'd you say, 5,500? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty much the peak, 2007. And then the bubble burst at that point and really, you know, it, it looked like tough times, but if you bought in 2008, 9, you know, 2011, 12, those were fantastic opportunities to get back into the market. Uh, so if you, if you held your nose and bought during those years, I know it was pretty tough because it's like catching a falling knife. But if you bought and you just held on, um, you're looking at a, a pretty good investment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff Zimmerman. Why don't yeah. you give us a stat that you came up with? Yeah, so um, because I do quite a bit of multifamily homes, uh, we're looking at uh, kind of the per unit cost, which is one way that investors will factor in what price they should pay for a property. And um, you know, right now in 2021, uh, so far in 2021, if you have a, uh, for fourplexes, um, they're selling on an average in Fresno and Clovis alone, not Fresno County, but Fresno and Clovis alone, they're selling on average at about $112,000 a unit um, citywide, which is you know pretty high up. It's almost a, a 8% increase over last year, which the average price per unit on a fourplex was $101,000 um, in, in 2020. So it, prices continue to, to climb significantly for multifamily as well probably related to the rents. I mean, rents are climbing as well between 10 and 12% a year right now. Also due to not only, not only do we have a lack of inventory for sales, we have a lack of inventory for rentals as well. And so if something comes on the market uh, available for rent, it gets snapped up immediately by, by a tenant. Um, you know, and a lot of investors out there too like to invest in duplexes too. They have a smaller barrier to entry. They're a lot you know, less expensive overall. But even those, uh, last year in 2020, sold at $123,000 a unit on average, and now are selling for $144,000 a unit. So pretty significant, significant increases um, all the way around. You mentioned that that's that per unit cost is one way to right. make that evaluation. Yep. So there is more than one way yep. that you can say this is value. Yeah. So some will value it off of a cap rate, which is the net operating income. So, which is the amount of money you make before you pay any loans on the property, but the amount of money you might make in a year after paying your taxes, insurance, maintenance, et cetera. Um, that, and then that's basically divided by the purchase price that'll get you a, a capitalization rate, um, which could be 6%, 5%, some cases 4%. Um, some investors have the idea of they only buy at a cap rate of 5% or 6% or 8%. Um, others might value it simply on just the, the gross uh, rent multiplier, which is um, all the gross rents added up through the year divided by the purchase price. Um, and everybody kind of has their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Interesting that there's more than one way because that kind of leads us right into the next assignment that I gave you, you to. Now, I've done this before on the show and, and it was uh, 
uh, an eye-opener. So here I said, give me the average sold price in our current market. So why don't we go with you first, yep. Jeff? Yeah, so going back to multifamily, so on and multifamily, the amount of units per property will greatly affect the sales price and the per unit price, as we just saw in fourplexes and duplexes. So if we look at the average price in the city for a fourplex, right now fourplexes are selling for about four hundred forty-six thousand um, dollars for the entire property, which is up from four hundred three last year. Duplexes. $288,000 so far is the average price for 2021 versus 2020, which was 246000 Did you happen to do single-family residence? I did not happen to do single-family residence. Okay. Good thing I'm here. Yeah, but I think yeah. the guy next to me did. <laughs> All so, right. So Go ahead, Joel. Average sales price for a single-family home in Fresno Clovis today is around $365,000. Now compare that to around $250,000 about uh, five years ago. Mm. Can you believe that? Just five years ago, right? 250, now we're at 365. And that's an average of 46% during that time. Uh, and, and you know, if you do the math there, that's an average yearly increase of about 9%. Mm. So uh, of course that helps being married to an accountant uh, to, figure out those stats for me. So thanks, honey. <laughs> I could see that. She had to do it for you. <laughs> so. And I had to check those numbers with her because I said, really, are you 46%? If you bought pretty much anything five years ago, pretty good chance you made almost 50% on your money. Okay. Yeah. So that begs the question. Somebody out there might be listening to us saying, oh man, I missed the boat again. I should have bought then. It's too late. Um, I'll, I'll wait for the next bubble to burst. Commentary, please. You know, I always, um, my first thought is, uh, I get the privilege of working with investors that have been doing it for a very long time. And, and I, I love learning from them a lot. You know, so it's, it's always kind of cool when you get to learn from your clients because they've, uh, while they've never been an agent, they, um, they've been purchasing or selling for, for longer than sometimes you've been alive, right? For me. And, um, the the interesting about it is that every single one of them says the same thing they'll say looking back they always wish they would have purchased more real estate right because there's always a sense that well what happens if i take this risk and i buy something and it goes and then um, and everything tanks well over time you know i think uh in fact our broker told us one time in a meeting said the average uh drop in value um in the united states in a recession, if you exclude the Great Depression and the Great Recession, the average drop is only 3%, right? But the average increase is much higher. And so over time, uh, even if you feel like you did miss the boat right now, over time, that price is gonna continue to climb significantly. I remember uh, going through a recession in the early 90s, mm -hmm. and we didn't even realize we had one until we looked back and said, wow, you know what? There was a dip in sales mm -hmm. and a dip in prices. Mm -hmm. So, But it's it was so subtle that you didn't really see it. Yeah. So, um, okay, good point. You know, Joel. I, I, I think I can speak for, for both of you when I say that uh, we would gladly buy back any of the properties that we've sold over our careers, you know, from our clients that we sold them to. I mean, there's not a, there's not a lot of people in, in sales, you know, that can say that. You know, you drive a, a car off a new car lot and it immediately has depreciated 50% the minute you drive it off. You know, not so with real estate. 
Um, so it's, it's nice to know what we are selling is real and has benefited our clients substantially over the years. So you could have sold somebody uh, a property a week ago or 20 years ago, and it's worth more now than it was then when we sold it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And f- for those people that say, yeah, but I bought one in 2005 and I had to sell it in 2010. Okay, you probably lost money. However, had you kept it, let time be the healer, time, uh, and then let's say you sold it in 2015, 2020, mm-hmm. you would have made good money. Yeah, it's like, it's like buying a blue chip stock. You know, it, you know the market's going to fluctuate in the stock market. It always does. Uh, but if you hold on to it, it will pay you dividends and yep. do well over time. Yep. And something to remember about a home. a home. If you buy that to live in, it's, it is an investment, but it, you're also using it. That's where you're raising your family. Yeah. That's where you're, you're living. So it, right. it's got a dual purpose there. Right. Let's say you just bought it as an investment. It's still a good thing because real estate is the visible investment. You can drive by and say, ah, that's my place it, with pride or drive by and go, that's my place. They're not taking good care of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. you can do something about that. So on those thoughts, let's go to our first commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio helping us out today is Jeff Zimmerman of Realty Concepts and also Joel Masmanian, also of Realty Concepts. And we came up with an interesting topic to come up to talk about, and that is win-win negotiating, which seems to be the, it's a changing atmosphere, how, how you negotiate. But before we get into that, I want all our listeners to know, usually you hear the walk-up music, uh, the intro music as September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. But Joel Masmanian wouldn't go for that. Tell us why not. Well, Earth, Wind, and Fire are, are not elements that you want to have in real estate. So it just, <laughs> it just <laughs> makes me nervous. That's why we when have I hear anything so. from Earth, Wind, and Fire. So just another song, please. <laughs> All right. I just had a fire at a property I'm listing, believe yeah. it or not. Oh, yeah. that's right. Night Tell- before we were set to close, we had a fire. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, it was a four-unit property, and uh, we were all set to close on Tuesday morning. And Monday night, I got a call around 10 p.m. from one of the tenants saying that uh, his unit had, had caught on fire from an appliance. And uh, now we're just trying to figure it out, going through insurance companies and figuring out how we can still sell it. It's did just, did uh, the buyer just cancel? No, buyer's still in it, fortunately. So we're able to, to figure out some ways to, to get the buyer and seller together. Um, you know, speaking of win-win negotiating, we're just trying to find the priorities of the two sides and, and still make it work, and I think we will. Find the common ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So if you can find something that'll work for the seller and work for the buyer, and that's going to involve communication, exactly right you can make that work Mm -hmm. so let's jump right into win-win negotiating um i you know i have an uncle that taught me when i was like 18 years old that negotiating meant that you you creamed the other side you had to win is that how things work 
in real estate? It's not the best. You know, you want to have a balance there. And, you know, we are firmly in a seller's market right now, and it, it is creating quite a challenge for buyers right now where they simply don't have the leverage that they used to in a normal real estate market. So the, the concept of negotiating for clients has changed immensely uh, since the last time I was on the show, Don, uh, completely. That's you know, been quite a while. Yeah, it's Did been a few years. Did you ever wonder why? Yeah, well, the ratings, I think, were really low after that show. <laughs> I don't know why. No, <laughs> no but, you know, you know buyers, buyers' offers are accepted, okay? It, it's not as much trying to get the best deal, okay, for the client as much as trying to get it, um, you know, at, at, a, at a decent price, but it's, it's about win-win. It's a balance. If, if you're offering a good price or over-asking on a property, you know, it, a seller may give a little more in repairs, okay, because they know that, you know what, that, that buyer stepped up. I'm getting more than the asking price, and you know what, maybe I'll take care of that, that water heater or that leaky faucet or, or whatever comes up, maybe the termites in the house. So there's a balance there. And, and on the flip side, if, if you do get something for under the asking price, you know, sometimes a seller will say, you know, I'm going to pretty much sell this thing as is and, and reject those repair requests. So once again, finding common ground. Uh, seller was willing to concede something as long as they got something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a balance. Okay. Yeah. What, what do you see, Jeff? Well, I think that, that's all absolutely true. And it, it comes down to the priorities of the buyer and seller because everybody wants something out of the deal. Now, a lot of times today, because homes are selling so high, the seller will say, I just really want the highest price possible and they'll keep it simple. But every seller still needs a couple of things out of it. They might need to stay in the house a little bit longer. They might need to um, have a longer escrow period. You know, maybe they uh, need to store some things in the house temporarily while they move. You know, there's things that they still need out of it that uh, the right buyer can give to them. Um, and um, I think that's where we start to really find that common ground and say, okay, we know you want the highest price. And I've been in deals before sometimes where the highest price doesn't win. Um, but what won was a really good offer, a good price um, with terms that matter to the seller more, where again, maybe they need to stay in the house for 30 days after closing. And this buyer, the buyer who offered a little bit lower was able to give that to him. And the buyer that offered the most money wasn't able to give that to him, but they felt more comfortable staying in the home and, and that's what they needed. And so sometimes you just examine the priorities between the, two, the mm -hmm. two sides. What does everybody need and what makes everybody the happiest and the most comfortable moving forward? How often do you have to communicate with the other, the other uh, side, the seller's agent or the buyer's agent? Um, I would say early and often. <laughs> okay. So communication is key to win-win yeah. negotiating. Yeah, that's huge. If you go silent, um, there can be, there's a lot of emotions and um, both your, either your buyer or your seller, their mind will start to run a little bit as far as what's going on on the other side, you know, and um, there's a saying out there that says no news is good news. And I'd say in a real estate transaction, it's the exact opposite is, is, is the truth. No news is, is bad news. Hmm. Um, and so you want to keep uh, open lines of communication uh, between all parties the entire time. And, and usually that makes everything go a lot smoother and everybody's a lot happier in the end. So the way that we're negotiating today, um, how compare it to five years ago? Well, it was definitely not as much of a seller's market 
five years ago as it is today. Today, there's just not enough inventory. There's more buyers than sellers. So it's, it's, very, it's very difficult. You know, we, we, negotiating, you think about how can we get the best deal for our client? You know, that, that's what you think about. Uh, but now it's, you know, how can I just get the house for my client? You know, just getting your offer accepted. So we have to open up our, our, our realtor toolbox and be really, really creative. You know, how can we get our offer accepted? What's going to be the best terms for the seller to say yes to us versus the other 10 offers that are on the table? So we really have to kind of think out of the box, so to speak, uh, in this real estate market. And that's why it's, I think, so important to have, you know, a trusted uh, real estate agent on your side whoever that might be. Excellent. And um, how about we all, pro anybody that owns property gets postcard in the mail or a text message or a phone call saying, I'll buy your home, close escrow in seven days, as is, no commissions. Um, what? How does that play into it? It's one of those things that we see happening a lot. I mean, all the time, there's people with cash to buy homes and they can close it very quickly. And, um, you know, they make the terms sound really good. And the terms are very good in, in that way. The, the price is usually a little bit lower. I mean, in some cases, a lot lower, you know, 60 to $70,000 lower um, or more. And, um, you know, that's a good way to go. I think it all comes down to the priority of, of the seller in that, in that way. Are they willing, if you need to get rid of your house this week, and you're willing to take 70, 80, 90,000 dollars off the price to do it, well, they can do that for you. Hard to imagine a term that would be worth 60 or 70,000 dollars. <laughs> yeah, I think it comes down to life circumstances, right? You just need to be done with this house. There's some reason you just got to walk away from it and and someone gave you enough money to say, "Great, I'm I'm okay with this amount and it's off my mind now and I'm 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 over it," you know? So, I think that's a good way to go. But again, you you're going to leave a lot of money on the table if you don't go the traditional route. Right. Yeah, it's 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 the time element. You know, you, if you look at that postcard and somebody's going to buy your, your house as is and all this and, you know, OK, it, fine. You know, in two weeks or, or a week. Yeah, you can you can get your your money, but you're going to be selling that property for pennies on the dollar. I mean, you're not going to maximize your sales price by calling somebody on on that postcard that says, I'll, I'll buy your home cash quick and and all that. We all get them in the mail and it's nice to be loved. And, oh, that guy wants to buy my house or that guy. Makes you feel special, it right? It does. It does. And some people call them, but it, but you're going. You know, they're going to be the ones making the money, not not you. And mm -hmm. you got to understand that. Yep. So a realtor can maximize it. A realtor can put it on the MLS and expose it to four thousand fantastic agents, and all of their buyers, and you are going to get as much for that property as you possibly can doing it that way, versus selling it for, again, pennies on the dollar. Right. And as in most things in life, that could be good for some people, but not for others. So for example, somebody who is totally out of options, in other words, they're, um, they need to sell it in two weeks. They need to close the escrow and they don't have a dime to fix anything up. They don't, and, uh, and they even need a little extra time they, they, to, to move out of it. So in other words, they have limited options. Um, maybe they're going into foreclosure. Uh, it, okay, yeah. that quick sale <clears throat> might mean more to them than that extra cash. 
that mm -hmm. you talked about sixty or seventy thousand dollars, and maybe in this in another case it might only be twenty thousand dollars. But they are giving you terms that are really good, but the compensation is the price. And if they're doing it to make a profit on it, uh, they can't pay you retail. Mm -hmm. They got a they they're buying wholesale. Mm -hmm. So if you have other options, the more. Uh, in other words, you don't have to sell it in 10 days, two weeks, um, and you have the money to fix the front door that's falling off the hinge. Well, then the more traditional route where you open it up to 4,000 members of the multiple listing service and let them compete for it sounds like a good way to go, and that's how you're going to get top dollar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And fixing, fixing up your property a little bit, having a little bit of money, it's just the reverse. If you don't have the money to fix it up and you don't mind selling it for, for less and you need a quick close, fine. But we always recommend, you know, do, do some repairs. Do some aesthetic things that are going to make your property shine. Landscaping, paint, you know, cheap things. It doesn't cost much to get your house looking better. Mm -hmm. and to get more buyers wanting to make an offer on your house. Change that carpet for a couple thousand dollars. That, that's mm -hmm. all we need, really, to transform a house in, in some cases. And that might be a $15,000 boost in the purchase price right there. Yeah, and you're eliminating that objection, and you're, you're turning it into a positive. Mm -hmm. And not every so-called repair costs money. I, I, I still think of one several years ago, Really, all they had to do was get all the cereal boxes off the breakfast, mm -hmm. off the bar. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, just to thin it out, make it look better. Mm -hmm. um, so there yeah. you go. With that, we do have to go to another commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Jeff Zimmerman and Joel Masmanian, both of Realty Concepts here today. And um, you're both from Realty Concepts, but let me ask you this. How often do you interact with the many other members of the association? Just off the top of your head, what percentage of your transactions would you say is with a competing brokerage? 90%. 95%? Yeah, I'll agree. 80 to 90%. Mm -hmm. 80 to 90 and 90 to 95. How are you agreeing? I don't know about you two. <laughs> we'll split the difference. Yeah. Well, 80, 87 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so the point there is that in this business, it, you do have to cooperate with com yeah. competitors. Mm -hmm. um, right. We're all working together. Yep. Yeah. You know, we have we have a listing and, you know, the chances are some other agent from some other brokerage is going to sell our listing there. You know, there's four thousand other agents out there. You know, we're just one individual and they have all their clients. So there's just more people. It's just a game of numbers. So, I mean, sometimes it happens. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're relying on on our, our colleagues from other agencies mm -hmm. to uh, to help sell. Yeah. Our and, our, and our duties are to our clients specifically, regardless of who brings us an offer, we have to get them the best offer possible. It doesn't matter what company they work, the other side works for or whatever, but that's the, that's the goal every time. 
All right. Excellent. Let's get back now to win-win negotiating. And yeah, you negotiate the contract and you come up with the right, you find the common ground for price, time, and terms. Okay. You're in escrow. Is that the end of the negotiating? Do you just sit back in your chair and let it close? I wish that'd be great. Yeah, it's just beginning, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That that's where we, you know, we earn our commission right there. Is is, yeah. is negotiating and trying to get the deal done, mm-hmm. because yeah, the fun just begins once you get the contract signed. You know, you know. Now now it's time to get to work. Okay, so you've opened escrow, um, and let, let's go ten days into the escrow period. Mm-hmm. The I, I think the the first big negotiating in escrow would be. A thing called a request for repair so now the buyer has seen all the sellers disclosures they've done their due diligence by doing a home inspection maybe a pest and roof inspection and they say wow you know I'm kind of paying retail for this place um, and I really didn't think the air ducts up in the attic were, were torn and losing heat and cooling so Along comes a request for repair. How how does that negotiating work? So again, I mean, it's I always try and find the priorities of both sides. You know, I try and keep everything in perspective. You know, uh, Joel and I actually did a deal not too long ago for a home. Joel represented the buyer. I represented the seller. Um, Is that that time where you were in a really bad mood in the office because yeah, you were working with Joel? Consist- it just never it never ended. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, his, his buyers, like normal, sent us a request for repair. Um, and, you know, my sellers, their first reaction was to be not happy that they got a request to make repairs on their home, you know. And it was a really, really nice home, but it's like every other home, it's, it's not perfect. And, um, and the re- repair request came in, and, and at first they thought maybe we just need to tear this thing up and, you know, hopefully move forward. And uh, my goal in that moment was to sort of keep it in perspective with the with the sellers just to say, well, you know, they, they did turn in an offer over asking price. Um, they were a great buyer in multiple ways. They didn't have a uh, an appraisal. They got a desktop appraisal from their bank, um, which meant we didn't have to go through the appraisal negotiations in addition to any repair requests. Um, and so once we could kind of keep in perspective of how much more they were making the asking price, how easy of a buyer they were, um, we could then perform quite a few repairs for them off, off that list. We didn't agree to all of them, but we did quite a few of them um, and found that that uh, those priorities and, and kept it in perspective and, and made it all work. So I like how you say it. You found, which means you found the priorities, which means you communicated. That's right. I, I yep. keep using that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I recall, I think my buyers actually removed their appraisal contingency. Yeah, in the, in the original offer, yeah. Yeah, so... It almost made our offer as good as cash. In right. a way, there was no appraisal to sweat out. It, it, it's a done deal. They were going to come up with a difference if, if it didn't appraise, and I think it did. Mm-hmm. So there was no issues there. But but again, it took that layer of risk off the table, uh, and it was a clean offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I recall, uh, your clients did not accept everything on our list. They did not. What's up with that? <laughs> they did not do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up paying for the window that was, that was, <laughs> right. had the broken seal there in the kitchen. But that, that ended up being uh, my closing gift to my clients. There you they go. got a new window. Yeah. Now you have, you have a client for life now. There you go. Well, at least they can see clearly now. That's right. 
<laughs> so, you know, back, that song next. Be right. So back during the foreclosure era, when you had banks that were the sellers, and of course the new lenders were banks too, there was a catch twenty two situation. The selling bank would say, "We're not fixing a thing," and along uh, here's the new lender saying, "Well, you need a carbon monoxide detector, and you need." water heater straps and this and that. And there was that catch 22, it just wasn't gonna work. That's when I initiated a new company called Midnight Home Repair. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of the night, somebody went in and fixed those things. Mm-hmm. That would be us. <laughs> Magical. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so that's the request for repair. And so you find the common ground and um, you know, sometimes maybe the uh, uh, the buyer's brother is an electrician, so those electrical issues don't mean as much. So maybe the seller can give a credit towards closing costs in lieu of the electrical repairs, and then it's up to the buyer then to get them done. Right, and sometimes it can seem overwhelming. You see this list of of uh, repair requests. You know, you're a seller, you're looking at this thing, and you're going, "Oh my gosh, there's there's." 10 things on this list that we got to fix. And it, it can seem overwhelming in the eyes of a, of a seller. But, you know, again, a good agent is going to say, well, you know, I got a good handyman or I got a good mm-hmm. uh, licensed contractor that can knock all this out for, you know, $650, you know, or get a bid. And it doesn't seem as, as overwhelming, you know, when you look at it that way, because we have a lot of people. We've been in the business uh, a while, and there are some, some great vendors out there that can take care of issues. Uh, and, and just take that sweat off the seller a little bit. A big part of our job is just solving problems, right? And, and that's one way that we, we do it. When you have a, a report, uh, an inspection report or a repair request that comes in that seems daunting, and one of us can step in and say, oh, well, we've got one guy or two guys or three guys that can just kind of come in and do this, and here's the price, and it simplifies everything. And uh, if someone feels overwhelmed, usually it brings that all down. So, oh, well, I'm not, not as overwhelmed anymore. There's, right. there's a solution to this problem. Right. And the same is true uh, when the seller rejects some of the uh, buyer's requests. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't say yes to items five and seven and nine, right. but I got a guy, you know, I got a licensed mm-hmm. guy that can take care of those issues. Mm-hmm. And it's not a big deal for a few hundred bucks. We'll get it done. Don't, don't be short-sighted and lose a house yeah over a couple hundred dollars. Right, especially if they know the price. If it really is a couple hundred dollars or even a couple of thousand dollars. Right. It says like, hey, well, we know the price to make this repair. Is this price worth it for you to go forward with the sale, even if the seller won't do it for you? You know, Because they still have the option to walk away if it's too daunting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that's another way we just come up with solutions. Real numbers, real prices, real people that can do the work, and, and it helps everything go smoothly. And that's why this is called win-win negotiating because actually the on the table is the buyer's ability or option to walk away and say, I'm gonna cancel the transaction if you don't do those repairs. Um, and, and so it, it requires good faith negotiating mm-hmm. and looking for the win-win. Um, sometimes to the buyer, it means a lot to them to get that help with closing costs. Mm-hmm. So maybe a credit in lieu of the leaning fence post uh, w- would be really good. Now, re- repairs are not the only thing that we negotiate. How about extended time? Yeah, extended time can be be a tough one. I, in, in my opinion, extended time might be the hardest one 
um, even more so than the appraisal, which we may talk about in a second. But um, when you have to go back to a seller and say, hey, we just need more time in this escrow period because our, our appraisal is late or our loan docs are late, you know, that one can be that one can be tough because you usually already figured out all your negotiations prior to that for your repairs. Um, and if the seller comes back with some kind of compensation for that lengthy escrow period, that can be again, that can be a big hurdle to get over or there can be a lot of emotions involved if the seller has to move or whatever it could be. And, and uh, you know, that, that can be a tough one. But it's one of the things where you just have to find, again, the common ground and just keep it in perspective to say that, you know, this buyer can still close it. If we need a 10 days, 10 days longer of escrow period, well, that's still better than putting your house back on the market, showing it again and going through another 30 days. And so mm -hmm. keeping it in perspective is, is uh, usually the now, winner there. We try to negotiate those time elements um, while we're negotiating the deal, okay, be before an offer is accepted. I, we, because sometimes a seller will need 45 days or 60 days. Maybe they need to find a home, they need more time. And that buyer could have an option. If you want your offer to stand out, you may offer to say, Mr. Seller, you can stay in your house rent-free for a month, 60 days, whatever it might be, you know, just to make your offer stand out and that could be exactly what the seller is looking for is a little more time. Not everybody wants a short escrow. They, they may need some place to go and they need time to find that replacement property. So it's great if we can negotiate those things up front. And um, again, a lot of times we're in competing situations and you, you have to make your offer look the most attractive. Mm -hmm. All right, do you uh, often see compensation for an extension? In other words, the buyer says, hey, I need an extra 15 days close the escrow here I'll pay you for it do you see that often I haven't done that a lot I haven't seen that happen very often I mm -hmm. mean I guess it could happen I don't even know if it's happened to me ever mm -hmm. but I'm sure it could happen I remember the the banks used to demand that a buyer pay hundred dollars a day if you're late and they were they were pretty pretty tough uh, mm -hmm. those banks that's why I'm glad they're not really in the business anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they, yeah I, so that was the last time I think you know a client of mine had to actually pay uh, for not closing on time it was because a bank demanded it and they were going to cancel mm -hmm. um, so it does happen but it hasn't happened in a while okay and after we get back from our commercial break we're going to talk about the granddaddy of them all how we have to renegotiate after a low appraisal mm. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Joel Masmanian and Jeff Zimmerman of Realty Concepts here in the studio. And we're talking about win-win negotiating. We talked about how that is so important during the initial transaction, getting it set up. Then when you're in escrow, there's things to negotiate, such as the request for repair, extension of time. But then I said, now in this segment, we're gonna talk about the granddaddy of them all, and that is the appraisal issue. Um, appra just to preface everything, appraisals are really tough right now because they are, um, well, they have to look backwards. By, by design or by their regulation. They're told find sales that did happen in the past. Well, a buyer has to buy what's available today or tomorrow. So they gotta look to the future. And there is a bit of a disconnect there. Um, and 
good thing we don't take phone calls here. Otherwise, appraisers would be calling in right now saying, that's not true. <laughs> Our appraisals are gospel. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, But there is that disconnect. So maybe somebody is paying $400,000 for the home uh, in contract, and here comes an appraisal of three seventy-five. We're $25,000 off. And their loan, the buyer's loan is predicated. They're going to have to pay, let's say they're putting 10% down. It's going to be 10%. Uh, they're going to get a 90% loan based on the lower of the purchase price or the appraisal. So now to fulfill that contract, they would need another $25,000. What happens in that negotiation? Let me turn it over to you two to enlighten everybody. Well, it's always nice if the seller will come down to the appraised value. It doesn't always happen, but it's, it's, it's usually the first questions we ask. And, and sometimes a seller will say, you know, I, I don't want to sell my property uh, any more than what it appraised at. You know, they're just, you know, that's the fair price, and I'm at peace with that. And, and that's what you hope for, you know, from, the, from a buyer's standpoint. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes you have to meet halfway, or sometimes the buyer has to come up with the difference. To, uh, to bridge that gap between the contract price and the appraised price. And they, you know, they better have a few bucks in the bank to make it up because it, it does happen. Um, you know, if, if a seller wants to keep some leverage, uh, they could accept a backup offer and allow that property uh, to be available for showings uh, while it's in escrow. And if you have a backup, then you're at more of an advantage to say, you know what, um, we are not going to come down to that appraised value. We're going to take this other offer in the file and, uh, and try our luck with that one. And, and maybe that buyer has removed their appraisal contingency, so it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the easiest way to even avoid all of that, because, you know, we have a lot of solutions there, too, is to figure it out in the offer at the beginning. So going back to this offer that Joel and I just did recently, he had his clients remove their appraisal contingency at the beginning, which is great. Not every buyer can do that, but that was very comforting, knowing that whatever the appraisal says the buyer won't be able to walk away at that point um, without losing their deposit, you know? So it gave, it gives your seller a lot more confidence in the deal. Um, we do a lot of uh, clauses these days in the contract that I refer to as an appraisal bump clause, where um, it'll say something like the buyer will pay 5,000 or $10,000 more than the appraised value. If the appraisal comes in low, it's nice to do that because then um, no matter what happens to the appraisal uh, later on, we've already figured out what's gonna happen. We already know that the buyer said, well, okay, I'll bring in the extra cash and we're all done. And the seller's gonna lower the price to um, you know, 10,000 more than the appraised value if it comes in low. And, and that makes everything just go a lot smoother and, and something that I encourage everybody to write into offers these days. And something that I see is that it's a time to renegotiate. Maybe the seller will say, okay, I'll lower my price this much, but those repairs that I agreed to do, right. not gonna do them now. And many times the buyer's going to say, okay, um, hey, I'm getting a lower price. The payment's going to be lower. Um, so it, it's, it's all worth it. Yeah, and that's the win-win negotiating that we're talking about. Right. You know, it's a give and take, and real estate, like life, is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else you can think of that we have to negotiate during escrow? Um, like with the two of you, did, like who delivered the keys to who? That, that's uh, negotiating. I mean, Joel delivered the keys to his own clients, I think. 
You know, got him out of the lockbox for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had him just bring the lockbox to the office, but I had to go get it still. <laughs> All right. Um, Joel put a lot of work into coming up with an analogy for this show. So uh, would you give us that? You know, I, I woke up one product. morning and I woke up one morning and I, and I thought, you know, real estate is is a lot like like dating in, in a way. You're looking for a home. It's like dating. And you know, you're, you're trying to find the right match. And once you do, you make an offer. Right. It's like you're proposing. So you're down on one knee. You're asking the seller's hand in marriage. And once that seller says yes to your offer, you're essentially engaged. So so now, you know, during the engagement period, it's time to get to know the property uh, to see if the relationship is going to work. Right. So but in real estate, the engagement only lasts about 30 days. And in the end, it's it's everyone's goal to make it to the altar. Right. You want to get to the altar uh, and instead of a ring. You don't get a ring. You get keys. Right. That that's that's the end game is getting the keys. It's getting the ring on your finger. Uh, and, you know, of course, a real estate transaction, you know, there, there's no priest. It's an escrow officer that basically makes the marriage official. And instead of a marriage certificate in the mail, you, you get a deed, you know, in real estate. So, you know, there's a, a lot of common ground between relationships, you know, dating, marriage, and buying a home. Okay, to all our listeners there out there, Jeff and I got to hear this stuff every day. <laughs> is, that, is that a stretch? I don't know. I think it, work, it works pretty good. I think it's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, and I want to throw another one out there that goes along with, with that dating thing. Yeah. So obviously, once, once you make that proposal, you don't go out on a date the next night with somebody else, right? So same thing here. When you make an offer on a home, wait until you get an acceptance or a rejection. I've, I've had clients who they want to keep looking at homes even though they have an offer in there and and that could be really tough on the mind yeah yeah a good home is, is like a good woman you, just, you want to stick with it you know you know what you got you stick with it and you just stay married and good things will happen i have no of course your wife that. did all your statistics for you joel <laughs> <laughs> okay i have a question for both of you and you know, you got a minute or so to, to, to give this answer. What message would you like to tell the public about real estate? I think when you're doing win-win negotiating and you're trying to make it work, whether you're the buyer or the seller and you're trying to work with another side, um, it's really important to leave emotion at the door. It's really easy to get emotional about the transaction. You know, like if someone gives you a repair request, and you think, but my house is perfect. It's, you know, how could they do this? You know, say, hey, let's just, you know, leave emotion at the door and let's think about how we can address this and how we can respond to it. And same with, with the buyer. You know, if the, um, you know, if you have to go in with a, a price uh, above the asking price um, to try and get the house, well, is this home worth it to you? Let's just think about it logically and from a perspective where we're not involving emotion too much so we can make a smart decision here. I think that's, that's one of the best things that can serve you anytime you're buying or selling. You know, I'm blessed to have a name of Don Scordino because I here's how I convey that to my clients. I tell them, let's go back to the movie The Godfather. Vito Corleone will tell you, this is business. It's not personal. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, most people seem to understand me when I say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. You, that says it better than I said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Joel. You know, if you are renting, get out there and, and buy a home. Get married. You know, in my 20 years in the business, I've never seen rates this low, and your monthly payment is locked for, for in most cases, 30 years. So go ahead and kiss your landlord goodbye. That's what I say. Lock in for those 30 years. Your payment's not going to change. Let the economy, let whatever is going to do what it's going to do. Uh, but you know what your payment's going to be for three decades. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good way to put it. For three decades, yeah. you know your housing cost. Is that true if you're renting? No, you know that your rent's going up another 7 to 12% next year. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Joel, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? You know, I want, I want to say to the listeners, you know, Don, you were named Realtor of the Year this year, and I just want to say congratulations to you because yeah. you deserve it, buddy. Hey, thank you. And that wasn't planned, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I want everybody to know, it was the long, 2020 was the longest year. Uh, not only was it a leap year, but they say that each year goes faster and faster. 2020 did not. That was a slow year. All right, Jeff. What do you want our listeners to remember most? Uh, that whenever you're negotiating a home, whenever you're buying or selling, remember to work with the other side instead of see it as I'm here to win and the other side's here to lose. Um, that's the only way to really do it. All right. I want to thank both of you for coming in today and thank our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. We'll be back again next week. We have Steve Flash, the 2022 president of the Association of Realtors, who's going to be our guest. Thank you.